a few weeks ago, Andrew asked me to speak and I was trying to think about what to speak about this morning. And I read a book earlier this summer called The Gospel According to Jesus. And there was a few messages in that book that really impacted me and impacted the way I viewed uh, being a Christian and trust and trusting Jesus. And so I want to take a look at some of the things that I learned through that book and take a look at scripture. And one of the key passages that that book looks at is uh, Matthew chapter 19, verse 16 to 26. So in the New English translation, it says, Now someone came up to him and said, Teacher, what good thing must I do to gain eternal life? He said to him, Why do you ask me what is good? There is only one who is good. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. Which ones, he asked. Jesus replied, Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, I have wholeheartedly obeyed all these laws. What do I still lack? Jesus said to him, If you wish to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. But when the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he was very rich. Then Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth, it will be hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I say, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter into the kingdom of God. The disciples were greatly astonished when they heard this and said, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and replied, This is impossible for mere humans, but for God, things are possible. I think when I had, you know, read this through several times, uh, you know, over the past few years when I was reading my Bible, and I think I took away a few of the high level points when I was reading it. I, I think I took away, you know, the fact that Jesus was saying, it's not through the commandments that you actually get to heaven, right? It's, impo- it's impossible to obey all of them. And he was trying to show the young ruler, look, you haven't obeyed everything. Um, and it's not possible to obtain eternal life simply through keeping the commandments. That's not how eternal life is obtained. Um, I also think that he was trying to say to the young ruler, you know, money's, money's not, uh, the end all be all, right? Don't make money too important. So I kind of, when I was reading it through, you know, and when you read scripture, you don't always read that thoroughly. And I think I was like, okay, you know, money, you know, got to make sure I don't make that too important. And, you know, it's not, it's not through my works that I can make it to heaven. Um, but I think that there's more that can be gleaned from this passage, particularly if we look at the context. And I think, you know, if we take a look at who the young ruler was, um, I was reading some commentaries and, a lot of them seem to suggest that the, the ruler was probably more of a religious ruler, maybe a leader in the synagogue, but someone that had familiarity with the Jewish traditions and customs, and he was Jewish himself. You know, he he knew about God. Um, he he seemed to have the right motive to to some extent, right? Like he was looking for a spiritual life. He he wanted eternal life, and I think that you know. That's, that's a good thing to look for, right? Um, and even his attitude, right? He's maybe a bit arrogant and saying, well, I've obeyed all the commandments, but uh, in the version of the story in Mark, you know, Mark reports that he kneeled before Jesus and he asked him this question, you know, and he called Jesus good teacher, which was a sign of respect, uh, calling him teacher. And it seemed like he had a sense of, at least in part, who Jesus was, right? He was coming asking this man that he thought could give him the answer and he wanted eternal life. Um, so it, it seems like he knew he was missing something. 
obviously he was looking for eternal life, but he probably was just not fulfilled. You know, maybe he thought he should be experiencing more of God's love, his rest, peace, joy, uh, maybe a spiritual life. He wasn't really getting everything he wanted. But the good news is he came to the right source. He came to Jesus, right? The perfect person to offer him this this life that he's looking for. And I think it's funny because if you look at how this would play out maybe in a modern context, if someone came up to me and was kind of already believing in God and, and wanted more of a spiritual life and they said, you know, how do I get eternal life? I would kind of look at that and say, oh, wow, this is a perfect, you know, evangelism opportunity. I can share them to share with them about Jesus, say, oh, you know, say this prayer with me maybe even and, and oh, maybe we'll have a Christian through this process. So, you know, from a modern context, that's how, how many I would have looked at it. But Jesus, he, he's a lot more perceptive than we are, right? He can see right through to the man's heart. And I th- I want to tie that into, you know, how about us? Because um, I think it can kind of sum up how we feel sometimes when we, you know, we know we're missing something. And if we're Christian, hopefully we're asking God for it. If we're not Christian, maybe we're looking to religion or, or exploring what, what following God means. Um, but even in my own life, I'm just thinking, you know, earlier this year, I didn't feel 100% satisfied with my life despite having a good career, you know, a good wife. Um, you know, I had a lot of the things I needed and I was kind of content with most of that but I wasn't fully satisfied, but I did know God was the answer. So I was kind of like the ruler in a way where I wasn't satisfied, but I was coming to the source uh, and coming to the source to God saying, God, you know, I, I want more. I want more. I want to feel more satisfied. And I think that if you think of even earlier on in my life, I've, you know, I've always felt like I had a, maybe an emptiness or a need. And I think probably some of you guys can relate to, you know, having a need and not really feeling satisfied with our lives and, looking to things like a career, I know I have, or my, my money, my savings growing, maybe family or a spouse, things that they provide some level of satisfaction, but they don't ultimately satisfy that need or that longing that we're looking for. You know, this young ruler, he had all the money he needed, but he still wasn't satisfied. And even as Christians, you know, we can still have anxiety about things. And we maybe don't feel like we have the fruits of the spirit the, the way we would like. Um, you know, we might not have that love, that joy, that peace, that hope that, that we that feel like we should have. And so as I was reading this book earlier this year was, is Jesus's purpose to fill our emptiness, uh, fix our problems and give us all the things we want. Is that his sole purpose? Because he can, he can't, he is the giver of life, right? He, he, can, he will fill our emptiness, but is that, is it just about me, Right. And I think I was kind of focused on myself. Um, but now let's go back to the young ruler um, and to what Jesus said to him when the young ruler uh, approached him. So Jesus said to him, if you wish to be perfect, go sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful for he was very rich. And I want to tie that into another verse in Luke chapter 14, where Jesus said to his disciples, in the same way, therefore, not one of you can be my disciple if he does not renounce all his own possessions. So there's a pretty big call from Jesus, right? 
He's telling him to give away all his possessions. And he was rich. That was a lot of money, right? And I think in my own life, I'll be like, wow, that's, that's a big ask, right? Um, and, and Jesus was trying to make a point. Um, Jesus knew, he saw it through to the man's heart, and he knew that money was his idol. Um, and that's something I've struggled with is, you know, looking at my savings growing every, every month, right? And finding my security in, in my savings rather than in Christ. Um, so he went away sorrowful because he could not bring himself to worship Jesus uh, and, and follow Jesus instead of his money, right? Um, and I think in my own life, it, it comes back to what am I filling my life with? Is it money or career or buying a house? Um, you know, is there something that's more important to me than following God? And if there is, I'm going to feel that emptiness, right? And it's something we always struggle with, right? We're inherently sinful people. Um, but there was also something more that I think tied into this for me. And it was kind of what tied everything together uh, beyond just the surface. And um, if we look at, at Luke chapter 5, verse 31, Jesus answered them, Those who are well don't need a physician, but those who are sick do. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And um, one of the things I think was the roadblock for the ruler, and that has been a roadblock for me, is was the ruler willing to swallow his pride and acknowledge he was sick, having sinned against God and not deserving of eternal life? Like, did he? He thought he he said he followed all the commandments and he was perfect, right? He was a bit arrogant. Was he? Did he realize the position that he was in that he wasn't deserving of eternal life based on his behavior here on earth, right? And so I think that really spoke to me because I was feeling, you know, am, am I good enough, right, on my own merit? Like I was not feeling satisfied. I wanted more of God. I wanted to feel uh, his peace. But at the same time, I was kind of feeling like, oh, well, I'm doing good enough. You know, I'm a, I'm a good enough Christian. I do good enough on the day-to-day. And uh, one of the things that I think God was saying to me was, you know, you, you don't do good enough on your own, Right. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not made righteous by my own works. Um, and I think that the young ruler wasn't willing to, to recognize that. Um, so I think God was showing me through this book I was reading this summer that I maybe had a subtle arrogance around being good enough with my character, like the young ruler. Um, and so one of the roadblocks, I think, was that if I don't understand that I'm sick and I need a doctor, like uh, Jesus was saying in Luke, I'm not going to be able to turn from that sin and, and fully follow him, right? Um, it's, it's a roadblock in my life, right? I think I'm good enough already, and I just need some more of God in my life. Um, I'm not good enough on my own, right? I really do need him. Um, so I, I want to look at, and the other thing tying into that is, you know, turning from what I'm doing that's not right, like sin, it's, it's not just, you know, a social construct, right? There is a real right and wrong that... Uh, God has established. And um, when I commit something that's wrong, it's against him, right? It's not just against someone else. A lot of times it is, but it's ultimately against him, right? And uh, you can ask Claire to many wrongs that she has witnessed, you know, over the years. Um, but it's not just about against Claire, right? It's, it's against God as well. Um, so I want to go to Romans chapter 6. I don't have it on the screen, but it's verse 20. Um, it says, uh, when you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. And what was the result? 
You are now ashamed of the things you used to do, things that end in eternal doom. But now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. And then the last verse is the key. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Um, so I think that the key thing was, you know, like the young ruler, I can't fully follow the law, right? Or fo- follow God's commands to, to love him and to love my neighbor. Um, and I can't live that perfect life, right? That's what, why Jesus uh, lived it for us. Um, and so God's not able to accept me just as I am. Um, he can't, he, he wants to accept us as we are, but it's not through us that he's able to reconcile us to him. It's through the death of his son, right? Uh, because he's perfectly holy, he's perfectly just, and our sins against him deserve punishment. But the great news and the thing that excites me is that he's also perfectly loving, right? So he took the penalty that we deserve upon himself through Jesus' death. Um, I don't sound very excited. I know I sound very serious. But it is something that really does excite me. Uh, and, and through his resurrection, Jesus' resurrection, we're able to enter into relationship with him and we're able to have that new life uh, with him as we die to sin to our old self and we're raised to new life together with him. And so uh, God has graciously called me to recognize this fact and he, that he's offered me eternal life, right? And I'm completely undeserving. And so I think my old attitude was that you know, I was maybe doing good enough in my day-to-day life, but it's, no, I'm not, I'm not deserving, right? I'm not deserving of anything that God offers us. But he's loving, and he offers it to us anyway, right? Um, so he calls, he, what, he, what he calls us to do, he calls me to do, is wholeheartedly trust in him for my salvation, right? Follow him and serve him, right? Because he's Lord, he's the creator. He created us to serve him and to glorify him, right? So, um and it's not about me, right? And I, I think it was great, Ruth, that in the songs you were singing earlier, and it really tied into this, right? It's not about me, right? It's about him. And and I think that earlier I was coming at it from a, a me-focused, right? What can God give to me, right? What do I want? Um, and and he, But he's the one that chose to die and take the penalty for our sins so that we could be reconciled to him. Um, you know, as humans, right, we've all rebelled against God and all of us through our behavior. Um, and we don't naturally do what's right. Um, but he chose to save us despite our rebellion, right? And he creates in us a new heart when we choose to follow uh, God. So he's calling us to love him with all of our heart, mind, and strength, um, and to love our neighbor as ourself, and even our enemies, right? Which is something that Jesus calls us to do that's not easy. Um, but uh, we're, and, and the thing that I think uh, helped me through all this was that just feeling like I'm so blessed that he created us, right? He loves me, and he wants me to be in that relationship with him. Um, and it's just so powerful to think that we get to be in relationship with the eternal God that created everything. Uh, he cares about us, right? He cares about each one of us. He's here to listen to us, to support us, and provide for us. So when I think about that, I just think it's, it's such a privilege. Uh, and, I, and it brings me to uh, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Which I, don't think, I don't have it on the screen, but it's, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke on you and learn from me, because I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and my load is not hard to carry. How great is that? Um, so I think that what this means is, on a practical day-to-day, is I, I need to live this out day-to-day. Uh, I, I need to be thankful and grateful for what God's done for me. 
for reconciling me to him, right? God adopts us, right? We're adopted sons and daughters in his family. Um, and so we can live and follow God day to day out of uh, thankfulness and, and our love for him, right? Thankfulness for his forgiveness and for taking the penalty for our sins, right? We don't have to, we don't have to experience that punishment for our sins because Christ took it for us. Um, and so, yeah, I need to remind myself of that every day. And I think that one of the key things is we're not obeying God in order to be accepted. We're accepted just as we are, and we're able to obey him out of the grateful joy for what he's done, right? Uh, it's out of our thankful hearts that we're able to be motivated uh, in following him. And so, you know, it's not a religious process uh, whereby our salvation is earned by our works, the good works and the heart change that that should should come come as a result of our faith and putting our faith in in, in Christ and deciding to follow Him, and we're entering into a relationship with God. We're entering into a relationship with Jesus. We're not just following a religion, right? It's not just a set of rules. Um, so we can be grateful for what He not just for what He has done for us, but what He is going to do, right? He's gonna, He's going to provide us with our needs, right? He's going to take care of us. Um, and he's going to be giving, he's giving us eternal life, right? So it's not just what he's done for us for us now, but what he's going to continue to do. And that doesn't mean that we get everything that we want, but he gives us what we need, right? Um, so I think that the, the question then becomes, you know, are we ready to, to really follow Jesus? And in my own life, I wasn't fully following Jesus. I think that I, I would say I was a Christian and I believed in what he'd done, but I wasn't following him day to day, um, as much as I should be. Um, I had other things that were number one in my life. And I still do, and we also are going to still struggle with that, right? It's a journey. Following Jesus is a journey where none of us are perfect, right? We're always going to struggle with sin and putting other things in front of God. But um, it's important that we recognize that, right? Because I don't think I was recognizing it, and that was inhibiting my relationship with God. Um, so, you know, we can't hope that our good works and being a good Christian is what merits eternal life, because it's not, right? It's solely uh, because of what he's done for us and our decision to follow him. Um, and, you know, we can't just look at God as the answer for our immediate problems. Even if our problem is 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 as good as, like, you know, I'm not satisfied, I want more, um, you know, we should want more and we should look to God for that, but it's not just about us and what we want, right? It's about him at the end of the day. Um, so his glory, his love for us, and his desire to be in a relationship with him, um, despite us not deserving it. Okay, so that brings us to uh, the ultimate decision, which is, do we choose to follow Jesus, or do we reject him, which we can do either directly or indirectly, if we're just trying to rely on our works to get us to heaven, or works to be a good pe- person and hopefully get us to where we want to go, uh, or on our possessions and making those the idols of our lives, right? Or not necessarily our possessions, but our career, our family, our money, our house, whatever it else could be, uh, what else, whatever else it was for me. And I... Um, it's not easy, right? Like, it requires a sacrifice. It requires a sacrifice of our time, of our money, uh, our talents, and, like, the, the greatest commandments of, of loving God and loving our neighbor, right? We're called to love our enemies, right? That's not easy. Like, it's difficult. It's really difficult to love your enemies, right? And people that are, are persecute you or are mean to you or, you know, but we can only do, we can't do that on our own, right? We can only do that through Christ who lives in us. Um, and he works with us, right? And he changes us and his Holy Spirit works in our lives to, to make us more like him. Um, he, you know, we're not alone through that. Um, and so, you know, at the end of the day, 
He loves us and he's wanting us to choose to wholeheartedly love and follow him instead of pursuing the things that will never satisfy, never ultimately satisfy. Um, so I, I think like in my own life, um, you know, I've been, I had this struggle over the last summer, but even if I'm thinking, you know, when I was in university, I wasn't following God really at all. I would identify as a Christian, but when I was in university, I was pursuing, uh, girls, I was partying, you know, I was materialism, like I had a student line of credit, and I would buy like designer clothes that I couldn't afford, but I was like, oh, I'll pay it off when, I, when I'm done university. Bought a BMW, put it on my student line of credit, <laughs> right? It t- hopefully it gave me some of that satisfaction, right? Like, because I was, I was missing something in my life. Um, and I think that my roadblock was that I grew up in a Christian home, and I kind of have been told something my whole life, but I never really took it seriously, and I never made my faith real for myself, right? I never chose to fully follow God um, the way that that Jesus called the young ruler to. And um, But I think that I came to the realization once I moved to Toronto that even when I, once I got a job and I was done school and that was the thing I'd been looking to, I was never fully satisfied with that either, right? And I kind of realized, you know, I got two ways to go, right? And I, and it's funny because I almost had the same self, like selfish motivation, uh, and it's selfish in a way of, if I keep going this way, then I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna have eternal life, right? I was actually kind of worried, like, geez, I don't want to go to hell, right? I better turn from my behavior and, and just decide to follow God. I better go to church some more. And, and God used that and He worked in me, um, but, uh, you know, my life is so different now and I have such peace and joy and I, and I feel so grateful to God for what he's done. And it, and it really has changed everything in my, my entire life and what my priorities are. Um, but I still struggle, right? And we all still struggle. You know, we're all still sinful and we still have things we have to work through. But uh, God promises to work through them with us, right? We have Christ living inside us. We have the Holy Spirit that's guiding us day to day. So, um, you know, and the funny thing is that the peace, the joy, the satisfaction that we want you know, in following God, that's that's how we end up getting it, right? He, we do we are promised the fruits of the Spirit, right? And it's through putting God first and following Him that we that we get that. Um, so I wanted to finish with a quote uh, from uh, Timothy Keller, and it's uh, from his book Encounters with Jesus. And what he said was, "And if there is a God, you owe Him literally everything. If there is a God, you owe Him far more than a morally decent life." He deserves to be at the center of your life. Even if you are a good person, but you are not letting God be God to you, you are just as guilty of sin as Nicodemus or the Samaritan woman. You're being your own Savior and Lord. So we, have a, we all have a choice to make, and uh, Andrew or myself, I know, would be happy to talk to anyone at the end. Um, and I think, Andrew, you're going to come up and say a, a, a few words. I don't know if you want. But thank you, everyone, for listening. and. Hopefully it wasn't too bad, especially my coworkers. I'll find out on Monday. No. All right. I just told it. All right. Sounds good. Thank you, Braden. I was just going to say that um, very briefly. I became a Christian when I was seventeen, and I had a very analytical mind, and I, <clears throat> I, I analyzed all the all I could see about God and the people around me, and I came to the conclusion that, yes, it was true. Christianity was true. God was real. Um, but then what? how do I become a Christian? And I kind of felt that there's some great thing I had to do. And I was very frustrated because like, I couldn't 
get there. And I would, I would sort of analyze all these things I heard. And in the end, I realized, and kind of a shock to me, that actually there was nothing I had to do. All I had to do was actually just trust Jesus, who would do everything. And I couldn't kind of grasp this to start with because it didn't seem, it seemed that more was required of me. But um, when I actually got to that point, all I did was I prayed and I said, Jesus, I can't do anything. I want to give my life completely to you. And it, my life was just transformed at that point. And I, short, not long after that, my parents said to me, there's something different about you, Andrew. And they'd recognized that new life had come into me and I was a different person. Not because I suddenly was trying more or working harder, but because the life of God had come into me. And that life of God came into me just simply by saying, I want to give myself to you and I, I, I'm going to trust you completely with my life. And that commitment to him, which we call faith, in him to, to, to take over my life just radically transformed everything. And it was the best thing that ever happened to me and God, God has done amazing things in my life since that time. So I'm just going to, to close in prayer. And I want to invite any of you who are, um, who are at this point where you want to become a Christian just to, to join with me in prayer. Thank you, God, for the love you've shown to us in Jesus Christ. And we want to trust you completely with our lives and give ourselves completely to you and know that Ultimately, we can't control our eternal destiny, but you can. And all we have to do is to trust you. There's there's not such, not an amazing thing we have to do, but simply to trust you. So, Lord, we trust you now. Give ourselves to you and ask that you take care of our future. You wipe away everything we've ever done wrong and put your life in us. Lord, we ask that now in Jesus' name. Amen.